0: This is exactly right. Hello, Hello. and welcome gone. to my favorite murder,
1: <laughs> the professional version of our podcast.
0: It's the one you've been waiting for. <laughs> the good one. You know, it's the
1: MBR version where we're journalists, <laughs> professionals. Oh. Oh,
0: we're, 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 Did you say depressional? <laughs> oh my god, no That's I, amazing Hi, spinoff, what's up? We're <laughs> professionals, it's depressionals Time for the depressionals <laughs> Do you have to go into the office And you're super chemically bummed about it? We understand Are you wearing the same sweatpants for the past two weeks? We, we get it We're Sealing depressionals hopeless, but typing? <laughs> the depressionals Our new sitcom Mm. on Quibi next month. (laughs) (laughs) Poor Quibi. Poor No one will let Quibi. I know. Everyone's bullying Quibi on the playground. I
1: know. I mean, really, Chrissy Teigen as a judge, I'm like kind of totally down for
0: it. There's no problem with it. It's just, it doesn't, I think it's reductive. To pretend that people want To be staring at their phones all the time I don't think it's what any of us want It's just a full on addiction It's like if they came out with designer Syringes We as the addicts (laughs) don't want That we're now doing this Because we can't go anywhere else
1: We're not trying to up our heroin game No And like make it a luxury heroin game
0: No I want something to look away from the phone For that's my dream These
1: days watching TV is is an escape from your phone It's like yes. not anymore
0: a, a negative thing This is a little hell machine yeah. That we have to stare at in case yeah. Someone's a coming But we don't want to No, I'm having yeah. a hard time Just with a little bit, I a lot of it I
1: am lately <laughs> on my phone
0: <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I agree There's a lot of input um, And not a lot of positive I mean, God, you know, you have to look for it
1: Every day is negative. Every day is a new negative. Here's a pause that
0: I'll give you because my sister texted this to me yesterday and I thought you'd enjoy it. It's an interview with Bill Gates. And the person asks, what are the skills today's students need to know to thrive in the world of 2030 and 2040? And Bill Gates said, for the curious learner... There are the best of time these are the best of times because your ability to constantly refresh your knowledge with either podcasts or lectures that are online is better than ever. Woo <gasps> woo Do you think Bill, Bill Gates, Gates is a murderina?
2: That's
0: <laughs> 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 basically
1: I'm saying he's a murderer now. Oh, this is my favorite murder? the podcast? Did we already say oh. that? Oh, that's Karen Kilgariff. That's Georgia Hard Stark. Hi. He
0: definitely didn't say that part. Hi. Probably not. Hi. What's, how are you? What's going on? Um, let me think. It's been a stressful week. Mm -hmm. Um, but lots of, um, lots of kind of conversations with my therapist that are like, you know, I'm on a boat and the boat is on high seas, Uh but that doesn't mean they're going to be the, it's going to be Oh, wavy forever yeah. It's just how it is now
1: These are the tide shit. pools of your life <laughs> And right now you're in the tide pool With like
0: really angry fish <laughs> <laughs> These really an- Really angry small fish What were they called? Parrot Those parrot fish those... with the teeth? Yeah
1: That are dicks? But someday it's gonna all be starfish And fucking
0: those dick Whales. slugs Dicks. <laughs> There's gonna be, there's gonna be bit whales winking at you out of the corner of their eye because that's the only way they can look at you because they're so giant. It's gonna be helping at all. Great.
1: (laughs) My therapist gave me homework the other last week, which I usually am like goodbye. You're like, I can't fucking do this. (laughs) What are you talking? We've talked about my I feel like I have a learning disability undiagnosed, and yet you give me algebra?
0: She's (laughs) like, you know what you need to do? You need to find X. You need to find the value of X. You're the value of X, Georgia, all along.
1: (laughs) But it actually did end up being good. So yeah, thank God for therapy during this this horrible, horrible time. Line. would
0: you have to give us a general idea Do you have to write something in a notebook did you Have to like I had to make a
1: list of th- Shoulds that I feel Like I have you know like I should be This place in my life and I should be This happy all the time and I should be like One like cool but also like Feminine and like all <laughs> my shoulds you know What I mean Everybody- I should know if I want A baby or not like those things <laughs> All bullshit <laughs> It was like what was the What was the dog from the Simpsons Oh yeah the skate. Yep. Dog. Poochie. Yeah. Poochie. Yeah. Of course you know Poochie the rapping. Poochie, that's right. Yeah. But also feminine. I don't know. But feminine. Like Poochie, but feminine. Yeah. But then she said, then the next week after I read it to her, she was like, Okay, now would look at this list. Would you would you tell any of your friends that they should have all these things done already too? And I'd be like, No. Yeah.
0: Like yeah, that's it. very effective. When yeah. you go like, it sounds fine to say that to me, but right. I Of course I would never say that to anybody else. No, I like my friends messy. Yeah. Well, and also it's like, no, I bet you people have three babies and don't know if they should be having babies. (laughs) Like, I don't think the baby thing ever feels like, and you know, there's, I'm sure there's some people are like, I knew it since I was exactly young, but I don't, I don't know. I I think it's all scary. How could anyone feel like a hundred percent about anything, especially these days, these days, fuck man. Um, did you just slap someone? <laughs> <laughs> and I threw my pen down. What if
1: I slapped me?
0: It sounded like a good face slap right there. Remember
1: the guy in the begin. Remember all the like Zoom mess ups in the beginning of these times when people yeah. just kept fucking up on Zoom and one guy like threw a cat? his yeah. cat. It was not yeah. just that cat. It was his
0: cat. His own cat. And it wasn't it was just a stray cat. <laughs> it was <laughs> a cat he was supposed to love. <laughs> Did you see the one where the little girl was arranging the bookshelf behind her mom mm. while she was on the BBC News? No, that's adorable. It was almost like that family was like, how can we try to be this super cute little girl that walks in while her dad's talking?" Oh. And this little girl came in and started moving books on this top shelf kind of like in the back of the room yeah. while the mom was like clearly talking about. I didn't actually, I can't listen to news clips anymore. Like I can't risk yeah, hearing the things that then will like rattle in my brain. So I no. can't, I don't listen to the audio of anything. So I, that woman could have been talking oh, about any number it. of yeah. things. Yeah, She could have been like how to train your children to reorganize your bookshelves. <laughs> <laughs> You got to
1: assume whatever it is, it's not that. I think that'd be a good assumption.
0: She's like, I got this one trained in three weeks. Watch you her just go. Need some pirates' booty and a little bit of focus. Um, do you, let's see here.
1: Oh, I wanted to. So a couple weeks ago, when we had our, our episode called uh, "The Seasons of in the Abyss" or whatever. Right after we posted that, fucking Slayer, someone from Slayer, a lovely person named Emma, reached out to us and was like, do you guys want uh,
0: Slayer swag? I listen to the (laughs) podcast. Because she's, I think she's with the management team of Slayer.
1: Is that right? Yes. So Emma, thank you for sending us fucking Slayer.
0: And even Vince got some. It was like our birthday. So Jay on the... Friday staff Zoom meeting was like, oh, someone named Emma from Slayer's management company reached out and asked if we wanted swag. And everyone's like, yeah, <laughs> it was company wide. Even
1: Jay, who's like a fucking deadhead. I was like, yes. are you sure Slayer's going to fit in with your like, because he's got a lot of Grateful Dead stuff. Yeah. He was like, nope, he's like, Nope, I fucking love it. It's it's, it's Totally. Grand. Slayer is Slayer crosses all divides for the depression is
0: the band, the boy who mm-hmm. drove the van who wouldn't make eye contact and lady your real license because he was baked out of his mind. <laughs> That's the shirt he was wearing. Who doesn't love that?
1: Um, Let's see. Oh, I also want to we have a new we have a new Phoebe uh, friend of the podcast. You know how we collect Phoebe's? Phoebe What's Judge,
0: her? Phoebe Waller-Bridge Oh, oh, there's another Phoebe <laughs> Would those two women declare themselves Friends of the podcast well, or are we claiming them?
1: We're claiming them. We're
0: demanding them They right.
1: might have mentioned us or been mentioned near us In an article once somewhere Someday And I, so, I think we make Phoebe Judge uh,
0: Our yeah. friend Phoebe I I know, Judge, I made up <laughs> She doesn't know You just wanted the Phoebe to be in there Alright, who's our third Phoebe? So this? Phoebe Bridgers <laughs> Real talented gal. She is like she is like on the charts. But She's she listened li- she said
1: she listened to us when she was making her last album, Punisher. Yes. I fucking
0: read this to you. Wow. <laughs> this is every conversation I have with my sister. I told you this two weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, she is. I'm a real sorry. I've been, been in though. the. I've been in the not paying attention, forgetting things
0: tide pool of my life. <laughs> hey, that's a tough one. That's a real. That can be a real. Uh, there's a real undercurrent in that tide pool. Um. Yeah, because it went. It was an article that was in pitch Pitchfork, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I believe, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and our logo was in the image yes. of all the things. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, yeah, yeah. okay. I've well, met her
2: before. Oh she yeah. Was oh, on did you a, she, was, she was on a podcast that I used to record uh, with Moon Zappa and she was a guest on it. Oh, and yeah. she, so good and played a song and uh, I saw her open for Connor Oberst and it was amazing.
0: Yeah. She's she opened she opened for someone else huge recently. It was the seven the nineteen seventy five. Oh wow. Mm. That's awesome. Yeah. She's a big deal. Well, I'm she's the last to know everything. No, she's great. <laughs> she's a real talented <laughs> gal. <laughs> <laughs> one more Phoebe to the pile I bet you there's more out there There's than we gotta can be. Get.
1: Keep your eye peeled Did you see that thing You know how we said like Enough with the Mackenzies And the Brooklyns And the There was one other one One other name McKenzie, uh, Brooklyn, and Madison Yeah, yeah And then some Gal um, <laughs> Tagged us in her Twitter, and it was herself and her two sisters, and their names were Mackenzie, <laughs> Madison, and Brooklyn. Swear to God.
0: And it was an I feel attacked. Yeah. And they're like, message. we don't listen to you
1: anymore. Fuck off.
0: <laughs> How dare you? Hi, Mackenzie, Madison, and Brooklyn.
1: Sorry. Okay, let's do merch corner real quick. Let's do it. Yeah. Um, there's some good stuff. Yeah, we have, like, we're finally updating the our merch page. It's at myfavoritemurder.com, the store, and we have a puzzle, which I. We have I, a
0: puzzle. It's, are you so happy? Honestly, it looks way too hard for me. It's re- What I love is people are already sending, because we haven't, I don't think we've talked actually on the current podcast about the puzzle. Have we plugged it yet? I think we, like, mentioned it. So, people are now sending pictures of them starting it or doing it, right, which is my favorite. And somebody sent a picture saying, "This thing's going to be hard." And, yeah. and I, I was so excited because it is not easy. It's not a bait. it's not for babies. No, this is an advanced professional puzzle, <laughs> and I'm proud, and all my dreams are coming true. <laughs> thank you, Georgia. Thank you, Stephen. It's thank like- you, America.
1: Amer- it's all about America and Phoebe's and the Depressionals have made it real and happen. Yeah. Um, it looks hard. I don't want to do it.
0: No, <laughs> uh, you don't have to. You don't but um, have to. let others do it for you.
1: No, it's exciting. It's so exciting, though. I mean, but I guess for me, we have koozies of that really cool <laughs> thumbprint um, uh, design that I love, yeah. too. So that's... I'll, I'll take the koozies. You take the puzzles. Yes
0: Well also I like the puzzle Because it shows a map Of the United States That then has icons That show every uh, city Where we've done it, it, It's like a bunch of the Murders that we've covered Right So like a, it's little, a little like bit of Drawings and stuff That have
2: yeah.
1: to like
0: a, You know a this and a that <laughs> It's a little yearbook It's a little Three four yearbook Of all the things We've done so far it's Yeah It's very kind of fun And you know Of course about us So that's exciting <laughs>
1: Um, The puzzle, of course, was made by Jade Young, who did our merch, like the really cool poster for our UK tour. Super talented and like obviously a puzzle freak because
0: it's it's super hard. I mean, she didn't hand cut the pieces or anything, sure. but yes, she designed this puzzle. Yes. She designed the heck out of it and she did it really fast. So she did great. Awesome. Thank you, Jade, for enabling us to have a, our own puzzle. <laughs> You're our enabler.
1: Go to MyFavoriteMurder.com <laughs> to the store. Um, yeah. And
0: get your our puzzle for your lake house. You know, it needs it. <laughs> also, now we have murdering sweat. Pants and like sweat. What do they call them?
1: Lounging. They suits? want to call them a lounging or a jogging set, but that's fucking okay. sweat outfit. It's
0: sweat. It's sweat. A sweatsuit for those who aren't that into sweating.
1: Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Should we do um, exactly right news highlight corner while we're here? Every do it all. Read off that. Do want you want paper. me to do it? Okay. Sure. I'll be I'll be here with you. What do you mean? What paper? This is off the cup.
0: <laughs> you know, how I memorized this monologue last night.
1: <laughs> um, so Murder Squad it, uh, this week, they're they're doing the recent case of specialist um, Vanessa again, which is a yep. really I mean, we've been following this on our own f- horrifying case um, yep. out of Fort Hood, the U.S. Army base. It's so sad. Yeah. Condolences to her family and
0: friends So Billy and Paul are looking into that And other unknown uh, causes of death cases there Which is very yeah. interesting And like, yeah, I can't wait to hear
1: I can't wait to hear that That's right um, Bananas has Arden Mirren on Who's a really funny comedian This podcast will kill you They, Aaron and Aaron are covering radiation I mean, That's, the best Who doesn't fucking love radiation <laughs>
0: It's so good. Also, the perk house. this is so beautiful, Stephen. Uh, Stephen, you guys they're they're covering the story of Elijah McLean, who was a young black man who used to volunteer his free time playing the violin for local Aww. shelter cats. And um, he was murdered by police in 2019. You've seen his face and like the calls for his case to be solved. And so Stephen and Sarah are raising money um to help to help that cause.
2: Yeah, it's we're essentially just wanting to shed a little bit more light on the case because there's so many cases. And so we just wanted to take an opportunity to step, you know, step back, talk about it and, you know, encourage people to donate to the family's GoFundMe. And yeah, that's, you know, simple. But I think it was important to tell his story because he's such a. He was, uh, yeah, such a sweet person. That's so yeah. beautiful.
1: He was a cat lover, like you guys, and I love that you're. I love that direction you're going, and that's so beautiful. Because um, you're
0: right, it's like all of these unsolved or you know these these cases of violence or whatever are coming to the fore, mm-hmm. and it's just lovely that people are taking the time to kind of focus on them and, and help people focus in specific ways. I think yeah. it's, it's really good. Are you guys still doing the fundraising? Thing? Yeah,
2: the fundraising just started basically today so essentially if you go listen to the episode there's more details but if you donate to the families GoFundMe fund and you know show that you donated you basically get entered into a ra- um into a random drawing where you can win uh, a copy of stay sexy no get murdered uh signed and just some other per cast stuff and everything and you know, it's, it's not, it's not an incentive to donate, but it's more of like a thank you, you know, we took, you know, for us, you know, we, for our listeners to, you know, just give back a little bit, which that's that's beautiful.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you to you and Sarah for doing that. And yeah, um, I, I, I love keeping the attention on this and that the police who murdered him need to be brought to justice. It's really important. And then The Fall Line, always doing incredible work. Their new series um, starts this week. It's about the Atlanta Ripper. Amazing. Really important. And then I Said No Gifts with Bridger Weiniger is our friend Karen, friend of the podcast, Karen Kilgariff
0: what i think my gift might be the best one he's been given so far right? check rip. it out T- you tell me what you think <laughs> i think i won the gift competition it's not a competition it wasn't but- until you showed up that's but, for sure. hey, I, now it's on that's right um that's yeah we've one. got a nice there's a nice lineup on exactly right uh, yeah. this week lots of entertainment all different kinds what do you need lots more to come we're working on it oh so much to come yeah gonna be so exciting um how, are you watching anything right now well we both talked about so we're obviously watching i'll be gone in the dark
1: right with our with friend of the podcast karen Kilgareth making an experience ex- ex- making a karen phoebe Kilgareth. yes <laughs> she's such a phoebe can we make phoebe be the like positive you know how everyone's saying karen's the negative how about yeah, phoebe see,
0: is like the friend for a second I honestly thought you meant Phoebe from Friends and I was just like Okay, yes, I'm liking this <laughs> Because Phoebe, remember when we Met her at that yes, party? Yes, I was gonna say that We saw and, and met her at a party She, she was so nice, so nice And so um, re- You know, like just standing by the Where people were getting drinks and yeah. somebody I can't, we were talking to Another person yes. and then she just basically Said, what are you guys talking about? Yeah,
1: Lisa Kudrow, Lisa <laughs> Kudrow Comes up Lisa to hours. <laughs> Stupid conversation. It's just, then it was you and me in a corner.
0: Being just on. us talking about each other to ourselves.
1: <laughs> and fucking Lisa Kudrow
0: walks up to converse, our other Phoebe. So we have she so like many Phoebe. That's what I'm saying. Oh, it was like, that's the first thing I went to because she was like kind of bent over she just like, What are you guys What are you talking about? about? <laughs> <laughs> I will always love her for that. And then we just we she and I chatted for like 3 yeah. minutes kind of about just it's just like that thing where everyone you have to remember this for people who hate going to parties yeah. and we will go again someday. Oh. And if you're going now, truly go fuck yourself for real. You're killing people. Don't go to parties. I mean, parties are you are you a fucking child? Like please. No. Please. Anyway, um <laughs> <laughs> well, you have to remember when you no one wants to go to a party, everyone feels like they're the one that doesn't belong, mm-hmm. no matter who you are, what you are, whatever. Mm-hmm. But if you're the kind of person that can just be like, hey, what are you talking about? People will always yeah. be like, I'll tell you anything I'm talking about because that's such a brave, fun, vulnerable right. thing that you just did. Uh, yes, of course. On top of that, you're Phoebe from Friends and everyone loves you. Yeah. But but still, it's such a great move to make. I mean, you just you're opening yourself up. Right. You have to keep in
1: mind that there's someone at that party who's more uncomfortable than you are. So yes. chances of you going up to someone and being like, hi, I'm and being open and like vulnerable. You're going to make someone uh, have a better time. Yes. Than and they would if have. if they
0: do some weird snobby 90s yeah. thing where like they make a face at you. <laughs> Then Fuck you can you're allowed To slowly touch their face <laughs> Not yet not right now not in This climate but I'm just saying In the future in the future, Because <laughs> it, it's not assault if You just weirdly rub right? your palm Your kind of salty palm right Down their face or and this, then walk the back away. of
1: your hand Like the back of your fingers <laughs> like slowly Down the side of their face
0: like you're A strange Lothario walking yeah. through the party Trying to seduce people and that's on it, them That their face yeah. just got touched If you're bored during quarantine, there's no reason you can't make up fights to have when we're all out of quarantine. Make them up. Practice them. Go over them a time or two. These are the tide pools of your life. And
1: sometimes you're in the imaginary future fight tide pool. I'm going to stick with the stupid tide pool metaphor.
0: Well, it's very visual. I'm seeing... Yo you don't want to? I like it. Can I keep going? Okay. I just kind not know. Violent starfish and really scratchy rocks. Violent
1: starfish is our band. The backup band for Phoebe Bridgers. Us is now Violent Starfish. The Violent Starfish. no.
0: The typos of your life. The typos of your life. I just want to say this, and I actually, I'm almost positive I've told this story on this very podcast before. When I spotted... I was with bananas boy Scotty Landis actually when this happened. I spotted Colin Farrell. I'm not kidding from probably 80 yards away. Mm -hmm. I could feel him Mm -hmm. coming toward me. It Mm -hmm. was magical, but one sided. And then I was like, uh, had the full wave of like, Oh my fucking God, it's Colin Farrell. And I turned to Scotty and I'm like, it's good. And he was already nodding very "Mm -hmm. tiny at me. Just Mm -hmm. like, "Mm -hmm." Scotty's like, like, Scotty's the most
1: incognito person. I've ever yes. met. So he he'll not give away your bullshit.
0: No, he'll no, keep it like a secret. He d- He didn't even turn his head. Yeah. He was just like, already."
1: You know that. So I did. I tell you, I saw Keanu Reeves at the um new at the uh what's the um. The mall on the corner of La Cienega. The Bev Center? The Bev Center in like 98 at the like mm. height of my cuteness. You know what I mean? Like it's sure. all been downhill since then. <laughs> but we were. Come we, on. We passed each other on the escalator going up and down. And Ooh. I swear to God, he gave me
0: sexy eyes. Yes, he did. A little 18 year old. Little 18 year old. Sure, with your little choker and your bangs mm-hmm. and your barrettes. God, he Hell was yeah. so.
1: He, I, it was like. It was a dream He was How so How long was his hair It was like At the time It was like early Matrix So it was like It was like long short You know Like yes. slick flowy Floppy on top But then short yes. Yes. He was so gorgeous. I'm sure he was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna ruin the the next five years of this girl's life by like yes. giving me sexy eyes. <laughs> That's just like, oh why don't okay.
0: Oh, <laughs> okay, see you later Bye. I'm gonna be I'll be up at Sephora if you need No, me. there was no Sephora. It was 98 no. pre Sephora It was a wet seal. I'm okay. gonna be at wet seal. You'll be like, I'm going to be in the Macy's Estee Lauder section. That's how backwards (laughs) this society is. That I have to buy makeup that doesn't match my skin. Where is MAC? Okay, uh, here's here's something just to, while we're here. Okay. Uh, Because I just had this thought. When MAC makeup came out. I remember, yeah. This This came to me. It was 1990 or 1991. Mm -hmm. I lived in San Francisco. My roommate, Christy Ward, who was also my roommate in Sacramento, she was there for me the good times, but mostly for the bad times. (laughs) (laughs) And Christy, she was very hip, and she was very into knowing all the new stuff. Thank God for her. Mm -hmm. She fucking was like, I was at Stonestown today. And we I signed us up for this thing. And it was a Mac tutorial that mm-hmm. weekend. And it wasn't, like, out on the floor. We were in a separate, Yay. like, conference room. And the person, I think, either who started Mac or was, like, one of the main early people wow. was there and, like, this is Studio Fix. And, like, showed us this makeup that was not liquid makeup that covered all of my zits yeah. and all of my ruddy skin. But, like, in five pats and all the... It was... I will never forget that day. I was like, and the Spice lip liner, it was like the 90s kicked off. They
1: were like the first people that were like, oh, you live in Sacramento? Doesn't
0: matter. You can look like a
1: fucking candy raver from yes, uh, and a like club kid from New York, even <laughs> yeah. though you live in Sacramento. And like, here's yeah. how it goes. And you're yes. like, shit, I live in Sacramento, but I can look like a fucking
0: candy raver. Here I am with my super powdery face, yeah. very brown lipstick yes. for no reason, yes, and a very dark brow. Yeah. And here we go Deal Let's with me get into it it was it, I just think that was such a it was a it was a pivotal moment mac makeup was the reason Christy Ward made it happen now it was, do we have a photo we can put on the Instagram of this the
1: episode
2: <laughs> I, have, I think
1: I have one of a raver day candy candy Georgia I can post do you have a Candy Karen yes but see my Look was never anything like that because I'm older but so you had like the list, Skin of like a girl who had on a Lot like the skin oh hell yes Okay yeah yeah let's and, get that and, to and lots of Lipstick okay even though it's Wednesday Night right now <laughs> And Stephen has been working all Fucking day and Steven, he's we exhausted a- <laughs> Stephen will you make sure That we that we get These fucking photos that are probably In our basements and give them Just to
0: you. If you could come over and look through my basement, <laughs> and I'm gonna stay upstairs wearing a mask. Please wear a mask. The nice. whole time. Please of wear course. two masks.
2: Be yeah. responsible. Yeah. Well, you shared the you shared the Sacramento photo with your I think it was your friend and your roommate.
0: That's right. Uh, yes.
2: During that those live shows, which was yeah, really that's great. true.
0: People love that stuff. Patty Riley. That was a Patty Riley special. She listens to every episode. Patty. Hi, Patty. Patty. Um, Oh, and also she's the one that had the Nick Terry shirt And got stopped on the street in San Francisco By another yeah. murderer you know, who freaked out Was like, how did you get that shirt? And she was like, oh they're online God. I keep seeing on TV things happening And then just going, ah, oh, the old days It was know. fucking four months ago Or like, would you see on TV people like sitting near each other And being like, be careful, don't touch
1: each other mm-hmm. And you're like, no, that's not real It's not, not real It's not real um, and Yeah, yeah. It's So crazy Stay home, everyone so If you can, wear masks no matter what It's
0: not political It's so We're at this Such a strange time This is such a historically significant time There's so many things kind of Coming to a head all at the same Time we're probably yelling We're preaching to the choir right now I like To think yeah we're yelling at people That actually are wearing masks in Their own homes alone all their Pets have (laughs) masks on they're like Please stop yelling at us we couldn't be More worried but you know Just in case there's some people on the Edge or they're like well look I just need to Go to this party or whatever it's like There's much more to it than just you. God for fucking bid, you consider that every once in a while. We know. We're the depressionists. We're the depressionists who are also narcissists. We're original partiers. Like,
1: all we want to do is go to a Target and a party.
0: Fucking, we do our best work at parties. We met at parties. We just, we destroy parties. We left so many parties early.
1: Oh, that's so right. 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 Member.
0: <laughs> there's, but there's some party. It was like a birthday party. And you and I were like literally texting the whole time, like, are you going seriously? Cause I'm going to go, but yes. I'm going to be mad if you're not there. Blah, yes. blah. And we got there, stood in the living room. And, and I was like, I got to leave. Was it, was it your party? it could have been your party what like at a bar was it one of those bar parties maybe just like you know what i'm just too old to be doing this i can't stand around with i just love that about
1: you have your close friends who are like yeah okay goodbye like or don't even they don't judge you for it and not like no i didn't see you at the party yeah it's like no i know i know
0: yeah but now man i'd kill for a party oh oh
1: Oh, to be in a <laughs> fucking dank, sticky bar please. with a bunch of fucking arrogant comedians who just Ugh. like want to talk shit on other more successful comedians and please. like, please, mother's milk. <sighs> what
0: a dream. <laughs> I'd love nothing more. <laughs> um, is this uh, podcast about murder? Uh, Oh babe, you said said this podcast was about murder. Here's what I think we should start looking forward to is how this podcast is going to begin to meld and merge out of a true crime podcast and into us tracking our own mental decline. Okay.
1: (laughs) Right? All right. Yeah. (laughs) What if I just stop taking all of my
0: meds today? (laughs) (laughs) What if I start taking all of your meds? med switch we don't recommend it What we gonna do it we
1: switched Karen Kilgariff's non-medication <laughs> for Georgia R. Stark's medication and and then you're like is this Folgers and you're like what are you talking about <laughs> that's not coffee you're drinking fucking pond water it's not coffee
0: no it's not pond water it's my tide pool water of insanity <laughs> I have to these are the tide pools of your life <laughs>
1: uh god help me who's first okay. it's me right Stephen fuck
2: Shit, shit! I didn't look it up.
1: <laughs> oh, so don't you I'm care. I'm off this week too. Um, what do you want my meds? meds?
2: Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, because it was a live episode. Yeah. Uh, Karen is first. Yeah. She's Boom. on it,
0: um, guys.
1: Guys.
2: Also, I wanted to Let's... mention that I saw Scotty Landis at a Shania Twain concert. We ran, in, we ran into each other. This was like two years ago.
1: Not nerd. Not you. It's fine. <laughs> uh, it's so perfect. Was he wearing a cowboy hat?
2: No, he wasn't. I, w- I should was have seen yes the girl for the story. wearing a cowboy hat? Was he wearing a Shania
0: so. Twain shirt?
2: I think so, yeah. <laughs> oh, like a Shania
0: Tam- Twain belly shirt. I swear to God, if you haven't listened to, to Bananas, those are two friends you're going to be excited yeah, to have met, Curtis and totally. Scotty. Good people. Love them. Okay. MadeInCookware.com That's M-A-D-E-I-N Cookware.com Goodbye Georgia, this week I'm going to do The Grim Sleeper No, you're not Yes, I am Damn, Damn. Karen it's Coming been in so with long. a fucking heavy hitter Why not, right? But the thing I will say Again, which is what I've said before it, you, If you haven't seen Nick Broomfield's documentary Tales of the Grim Sleeper You, it's absolutely for any true crime, Mm. um, fan. It's such required what, viewing, required viewing because it tells the story of this serial killer that was in basically South Central Los Angeles for uh, 30 years. It's told by the people who live there. It's told by his neighbors. It's told by, um, the local activists that were the first ones to get out there and say, what the fuck is going on? It's told by the people who lived it every day. And it's such a direct, like, it's such a beautiful way of doing that. Basically letting the people who it happened to and it happened around tell the story. Right. And there's no filter. It's really cool. And it's, and you meet these amazing characters that literally Nick Broomfield just walked walks around like different neighborhoods in South Central mm-hmm. and meets, introduces himself to people and lets them tell him the story. Yeah. It's amazing. And, and it's how it should be done. I love that. But for now, we'll t- I'll tell it this way. And uh, the sources. So of course it's tales of the grim sleeper, which is an amazing documentary by Nick Broomfield. Um, also, Articles from the LA Times and the LA Sentinel. There's a couple articles um, from BuzzFeed that were written by a writer named Claudia Corner. And um, then there's uh, information that I got... from this 2008 LA Weekly article by a writer named Christine Pelasek. That's amazing and I'll talk about it later. Very cool LA Weekly moment. You know from growing up here, the LA Weekly used to be this kind of stalwart Mm -hmm. local free paper that, that did amazing coverage on really big, important things. They were in the book, in our book, I talk about how the LA Weekly are the ones that did the kind of like the cover story on Scientology and the Scientology. Maybe I took this part out, but the Scientologist came around and took all the free papers and threw them away. Mm -hmm. So no one could read their expose on the church. And this was in like the nineties when the church was kind of growing in popularity. And it's, it's, it used to be the LA weekly used to be this amazing independent newspaper. It's,
1: it got bought, I feel like every town had this great alternative newspaper in the 90s where you could find out really find out about cool artists and cool things happening and bad things happening and shows. And it just doesn't exist anymore, which is such Escorts a Escorts
0: in the back <laughs> and the green pages. That's right. Party in the front.
1: <laughs> it's a real bummer.
0: Good, really good stories in the front. And then you could get if you wanted a little company that night. <laughs> OK, so let's... Let's start. It starts November 19th, 1988. It doesn't start here, but this is where we're going to get in. Okay. Um, Because that's the night that 30-year-old in Nitra, Washington, is walking down the street in South Central L.A. on her way to her friend's house. They're going to meet up, get ready, and go to a party together. Mm. Um, Again, don't you miss it. Mm. Um, So, as she's walking... This orange Ford Pinto with racing stripes, fancy rims, and high-end tires pulls up alongside her. So, Anitra later will remember that the car looked like she told someone it looked like a Hot Wheels toy. Oh, wow. The driver is talking to her through the roll down passenger window. He asks her where she's going, what she's doing. He tells her he can give her a ride. Uh, she just says back to him, you can't just, quote, holler at me through car windows. You have to get out and talk to me. Hmm. Um, so he does. He parks the car and hops out and again offers her a ride. She remembers she said he is a short black man, probably in his 40s, and that he looked very clean cut, almost geeky. And so, again, he offers her a ride and he's being very insistent. And when she says no, he fires back and says, that's what's wrong with you black women. People can't be nice to you. And when she hears this, Ugh. she fe- it makes her feel really bad. So that manipulation <gasps> works on her and she gets into the car. Oh, man. Because she's like, I'm being too, you know, he gets yeah. her, he knows how to manipulate. So he yeah. gets her kind of where she lives. So she's in the car, but once he starts driving, she realizes he's not going in the direction where she said her friend lived. Um, he explains he has to stop at his uncle's house to pick up money. He makes that stop. He goes into a house for a little bit, comes back out, gets back into the car, they get back on the the road and they're driving again and then she hears him say something to her but he she isn't quite sure what it is so she turns toward him to hear it better and suddenly everything goes quiet and then that's when she notices that somehow she's bleeding from the chest So she panics. She reaches for the car door. He stops her saying, don't touch that door or I'll shoot you again. And that's when she realizes that she has been shot in the chest. Oh, fuck. Yeah. So she's obviously in shock and like the whole thing processed in the weirdest way. So she then asks, why did you shoot me? He said, because she was disrespecting him. When she tries to say, I don't even know you... He talks over her and is just blathering, rambling incoherently. At one point, he calls her a different woman's name. Then she blacks out. And when she comes to, he's on top of her. And he's as she drifts in and out of consciousness, he's raping her. And at one point when she comes to, she sees the flash of a camera. And she realizes he's taking her picture. Oh, God. Yeah. She has no idea how much time passes, but at some point he starts driving again. So she is she like kind of comes back to consciousness a little bit and she reaches for the door handle again. And this time he lets her open the door. And when the door opens, he pushes her out of the moving car. And so she's on the street. She He basically leaves her for dead on the street. Mm. So she's laying there in the street. And then this voice in her head says, you have to get up. You have to get up. So she basically manages to crawl over to the curb and slowly push herself up using the parked cars around her. And when she finally gets to like a slightly standing position, she realizes she is on the street where her friend lives. So she looks around. Just by coincidence? Well, I think he dro- he like, um, quote unquote, dropped her off where she said she needed to oh go. Oh, God. So, that, but then she's like, oh, okay, so she walks to her friend's house. She makes it all the way there with having been shot in the chest. Fuck. Uh-huh. She gets there, gets up onto the porch, knocks on the front door. No one's home. <laughs> so she's like, she, she turns around and realizes, okay, now there's no, the street is empty. I'm going to have to walk down to the main street and flag down help Mm -hmm. down on the main street, like, you know, half a block away. So she starts. Down She's like I'm gonna make it I'm getting You know She starts walking down Off this porch And a car pulls up It's her friend And her Mm. friend's husband They finally came home Mm. So Cause she hadn't shown up So Her friend gets out of the car Is like We were waiting for you What's going on And she's kind of like Almost yelling at her For being late Yeah And she comes up On Anitra And realizes her All of her clothes Are covered in blood Her friend starts screaming She's like hysterical and they call nine one one. An ambulance comes, takes a nature to the hospital. She's immediately taken into surgery and she ends up in the hospital for the next three weeks, but she her life is saved. Mm-hmm. And after about a year of, like, procedures and treatments and physical therapy, Anitra makes a miraculous recovery. A year. A year, after a year after a year. Ugh. I mean, she got shot point blank yeah. in a car. Yeah. It's so, it's an amazing that she lived at all, yeah. and that after that happening to her, clearly fully in shock, she got herself, like, to this front porch. It's insane. It's incredible. So it's a year later. It's 1989, and... She's outside of her house in Inglewood and a man walks up to her and asks her if she knows him. And she says, am I supposed to? And he doesn't Mm. say anything. He just turns around and walks away. And as he's walking away, it slowly dawns on her. The night she was shot, her purse went missing and inside her purse was her driver's (laughs) license with her current address on it. That was the man who was her attacker. What the fuck? Yeah. So now we have to go back to the early 80s in South Central and what is famously known as uh, the crack cocaine epidemic um, that that hit that part of town. Mm -hmm. Um, And that this whole thing is a, a story in and of itself. And it's mind boggling and horrifying. And many people believe and there's lots of proof to believe that crack cocaine was introduced into these neighborhoods uh, intentionally um it's really horrifying and there's that's a different show and i'm sure there's plenty of podcasts out there uh so we'll just keep it simple and basically by 1985 crack cocaine is a full-blown epidemic in this part of town and addiction ravages south central and families are torn apart the communities are i mean people you know as drug dealers are fighting over their turf addicts are committing petty theft to be able to feed their addiction right um crime rates rise and especially murder um so when the bodies of black sex workers start being found around the South Central area, in alleyways, on roadsides, in parks, even in schoolyards, these deaths are written off as being either drug or gang related or, you know, basically they're written off as collateral damage. Right. Um, so basically the crack epidemic, it becomes the perfect cover for one of Los Angeles is what will end up being one, one of Los Angeles's worst serial killers ever, if not America's. So through the mid 80s, more than 20 murdered women, the bodies of more than 20 murdered women are found, but many, many more go missing. Hmm. And There's and many more murders happen. These are just the ones that basically are all connected to each other and eventually connected to this killer. But that doesn't mean that uh, and black women and especially black sex workers were showing up dead constantly. Right. So among these victims is 29-year-old Deborah Jackson. Her body is found on August 10th, 1985, in an alley near West Gage Avenue in the Vermont Slauson area, South Central. She has three bullet wounds in her chest, and ballistics will later determine that they have come from a 25 caliber handgun at close range um, almost a year to the day later August thir- August 12th 1986 the body of 34 year old Henrietta Wright is found in Hyde Park and then just two days after Henrietta's body is found on August 14th Thomas Steele's body is found in the middle of an intersection mm. and they believe his death is connected to Henrietta's murder But police never find solid evidence to actually back that up. That's just what people nearby believe Mm -hmm. and that that know. Essentially, all of this is kind of feeding that idea that these black communities are simply, quote unquote, prone to illegal or criminal activity. Right. It's dismissed. Right. And and just all all kind of piled together. Like it's the same as it's the same kind of crime that's happening as gang the gang shootings or mm-hmm. or drug dealing um, instead of clearly a series, a, a series of murdered women with the exact same M.O. every right. time. Um, and that basically gives the LAPD a free pass to turn a blind eye to these horrific murder murders. Um, it's later discovered that the LAPD would classify these murders as being NHI uh, which is short for no humans involved because they're women of color, mm-hmm. because they were sex, sex workers, because, or, or, and because they were addicts. They're not even human to the, yeah. to the officers
1: of the law who are supposed to serve and protect.
0: Yeah. It's, I mean, it's unimaginable and it's the kind of thing again in this documentary and you have to watch it because it's there's people that speak on this where there's this woman who is a local activist and she's talking about um that you know people were talking about why why didn't this guy get caught and why wasn't anything reported and she's like you can't as a black person just walk into your local police station and say i have something i'd like to talk to she's like 99 percent of the time that's going to end very unpleasantly for you Mm. people don't You know, that's years and years of that kind of hideous treatment that obviously they're not going to be running to the police Mm -mm. to say we need protection because they're not getting it.
1: I mean, this is the epicenter of Rodney King and the riots. This is...
0: Yeah. Which actually gets covered. And then we've talked about this in the OJ Simpson. Yeah. 30 for 30. Yeah. That's incredible. That kind of links all this up of uh, of um what was happening down here and the way this this town has been segregated. And yeah. And the systemic racism that went into all of that. Okay. So. There are leads in these cases, there are um, pieces of evidence that when these bodies are discovered that are running um, throughout each case. So, so for example, there's reports of a 1984 dark-colored Buick Regal, um, reports of a late-model Plymouth station wagon, and reports of an orange-colored Ford Pinto, but they're... If they're followed up at all, I mean, they're barely followed Mm -hmm. up. Nothing is really ever chased down. Um, And even though they question a number of suspects, they end up... Like, the theory becomes that there's something called the South Side Slayer, which was more of like a, quote, evil force than it was one specific killer. Wow. Which, that doesn't even make sense. Like, and it's basically just kind of saying, bad stuff is happening over there. Yeah. You know, there's not a lot we can do about it, which is... Totally insane. Yeah. So Margaret Prescott, who is a local, uh, Radio host She has a radio show Called Sojourner Truth And she's outraged She knows that These victims Because these victims Are black women Most of whom are Sex workers Or struggle with addiction That the LAPD Is just blatantly Neglecting their cases uh, And she refuses To let them get away With it anymore um, So in 1986 Margaret joins forces With other local VAT Activists And she forms The Black Coalition Fighting back Serial killers hmm. um, Like she so knew they- oh, It oh, wasn't
1: like It's a force She's like We're
0: fighting. A serial killer. Everyone yes, it, fucking knows. She said, and there's an amazing she's in the Nick Broomfield documentary. Right. She's she's incredible. And at one point she says, In the eighties, we at one point we had a count of ninety women, but only eighteen of them made it onto the book. So shit. this wasn't the story that was actually when the story even got told at all, the numbers were reduced so much. And she's but she was like, Yeah, this is this is outrageous. Yeah. So they start printing up um Uh, Flyers and handing Them out in front of grocery stores and you see There's there's footage from the 80s Of this of this coalition The black coalition um uh, fighting back serial killers They're just going around flying, and saying Did you realize these women um, Were found dead Did you know there was a serial killer In this neighborhood mm. They're just going and telling other women You need to be aware And they just had to do it Grassroots by themselves Because of course It wasn't on the news Nobody was talking about it yeah. And nobody was treating it seriously So Together Um, The coalition hands out flyers and they inform the community about the serial killings. They demand that the police and city officials prioritize the investigations of these murders. They fight for more resources in South Central and they fight to get the media to stop dehumanizing the victims just because of the jobs that they hold or the addictions that they have. Yeah, Um, So despite the coalition's best efforts, the LAPD negligence enables this killer to continue murdering vulnerable black women for the next two years. So on January 10th, 1987, the body of 23-year-old Barbara Ware is found inside a trash bag in the central Alameda area. And... Barbara Ware was the third official victim that they knew. So at that point, because she also had um, gunshot wounds, at that point, they knew it was a serial murderer. Mm -hmm. Um, But they didn't, and they talk about this in the documentary, they didn't tell anybody, and they didn't treat it that way. Therefore... That she could have been the one and they talk about this, like if this was some blonde girl that went to UCLA, they, the media would have been all over it. Mm-hmm. But it nobody talked about it at all. And so those murders continued. But if it had gotten any press or any kind of traction as a story, maybe those other girls wouldn't be dead now. Right. But Instead it all just got swept under the rug Four months later 26 year old Bernita Sparks Tells her mom she's going to go out To buy a pack of cigarettes She never comes back Her body is found on April 16th 1987 And she'd been shot to death With a twenty-five caliber handgun Mm. On Halloween of that same year uh, 26 year old Mary Lowe Says goodbye to her mother As she heads out for a Halloween party Her body is discovered the next day And she'd been shot to death Mm. On January 30th, 1988, the body of 22-year-old Lucretia Jefferson is found in the Westmont area. And seven months after that, the body of 18-year-old Alicia Monique Alexander is discovered on September 11th of 1988. And both of these young women have been shot by a 25 caliber handgun. And it's the eighth murder in three years with the exact same M.O. Mm-hmm. So in the case of Monique Alexander's murder, eyewitnesses tell police they saw her get into an orange colored hatchback on Normandy Avenue. And that's the same type and color of car that witnesses tell police Mary Lowe got into the year before The, the lead is never followed up on. Monique's father, Porter Alexander, uh, told the LA Weekly that the investigation of his daughter's death was, quote, a big mess. They didn't put forth any effort and they didn't show any aggressiveness about it, um, which obviously they they actually they started a task force to be to work on the cases that they called the, the task force actually calls this series of killings, the strawberry murders, because strawberry is slang for somebody who's who sells does sex work for drugs? Really? So, yeah, yeah. That's like that's that's what they call. I mean the the level of just a total lack of care or respect yeah. or anything is is just monstrous. So aside from determining that all eight murders were committed with the same. 25 caliber gun nothing comes of of establishing this task force until 1988 when the killer meets anitra washington and like the eight victims before her the eight known and on the book victims we should say she's shot with a 25 caliber handgun after getting into an orange hat hatchback But because Anitra survives her attack She's able to provide police The first eyewitness description Of the killer. She tells him He's a black man who looks to be In his 30s with short hair And a geeky clean cut appearance And she also describes His car in detail. It's an Orange Ford Pinto Mm. with Racing stripes, rims and high End tires. Mm. After Anitra's Survival and her identification of her Attacker, the murders of black women In South Central committed with a 20 Five caliber handgun suddenly stop. Mm. But that's not because the serial killer has stopped killing. He's just changing his MO. Shit. So for the next 14 years, L.A. undergoes some drastic changes while drug addiction does remain a public health issue. The crack epidemic begins to subside um, and crime rates begin to go down and L.A. becomes the second safest city in the United States. But that has a lot to do with the intense police violence and police brutality and the tactics that they used, um, which, again, is a whole different show. Yeah. But essentially that the the crack epidemic is is waning a little bit. So because the crime rates are coming down, it's it's more obvious when like strings of murders happen right, now. Right. So in 2002, a 15 year old girl named Princess Bertha Mew is living in foster care. Um, and she often runs away and makes money for herself through sex work. When her foster mom reports her missing on de- December 21st, 2001, she is not seen again until her body is found strangled in an Inglewood alley on March 19th, 2002. Mm. A little over a year. It's so tragic. A little over a year later,
1: I think of all these crimes as like in the 80s and early 90s, but it's like that's so recent. And she's 15
0: 15 years old. So for for about 14 years between those crimes in the 80s of women just getting shot in the chest yeah. and du- and From having their no bodies done. Yeah. Things things calm down and then it, then he comes back in 2002 Jesus. with this horrifying and a 15 year old. I mean it's, it's she's a baby. She's a baby. A little over a year later, a crossing guard finds the body of 35 year old Valerie McCorvey in a Mont Alley on July eleventh, two 2003, and she's also been strangled. When the LAPD um, tests the DNA samples taken from both of these murders, they are found to match eight cold cases from the 80s. The murders of Deborah Jackson, Henrietta Wright, Barbara Ware, Bernita Sparks, Mary Lowe, Lucretia Jefferson, Monique Alexander, and the attempted murder of Nitra Washington. So, um, newly appointed police chief Bill Bratton considers making a task force in 2004 to investigate these connections and these cold cases, but an unnamed colleague mm. allegedly dissuades him from doing that. The connections and the potential leads in these murders and the proof of the existence of an active serial killer in South Central are basically ignored until 2007. It's New Year's Eve, September 31st, 2006. Laverne Peters gets a call from her 25-year-old daughter, Janisha. Laverne's babysitting Janisha's four-year-old son at the time, and they're visiting other family members, and Janisha calls to tell her mom that she's finally got a place to live. She's really excited. She really loves the place. She feels safe there. The next day, Mm -hmm. January 1st, 2007, a homeless man who's looking through a dumpster, um, on Western Avenue, finds Janisha's body wrapped in a garbage bag and sealed with a twist tie. Mm. She had been shot with a twenty-five caliber handgun. Fuck. So despite the obvious connection, Janisha's death goes almost unnoticed. The f- uh, few news stations that actually cover her death, they don't even report it correctly. They say that she was stabbed. Hmm. But while the media and the LAPD failed to inform the public of the return of the twenty five caliber killer, a detective named Dennis Kilcoin finally convinces Chief Pratton to form a task force to investigate these murders, and it's dubbed the eight hundred task force, named after the conference room um that the force initially gathers in at the police station. Well, finally,
1: and- it's not a fucking
0: derogatory name. Jesus. Yeah, yeah for real. Ridiculous so the 800 task force Is made up of six six officers No outsiders are allowed No press no other police uh, People that are working Just the people that are on this task force Mm -hmm. And basically the existence of it Is totally kept secret Hmm. So but here's Where the LA Weekly Intrepid Mm. reporter comes in Mm. In 2008 A reporter uh, for the LA Weekly named Christine Pelasek Learns about the existence of the 800 task force and begins to investigate Mm, Christine Christine publishes an article on August 27th 2008 and it's the first anyone in Los Angeles reads in the general sense in the in the mainstream media Mm -hmm. which is a free the LA weekly you know the free local paper. About the fact that a serial killer has been on the loose in South Central mm-hmm. since 1985. I
1: mean, it reminds me of Michelle McNamara so
0: much. Completely. Right? Well, listen, um, along with her thorough details on the, each murder, Christine also delivers a scathing critique of how poorly wow. the LAPD and newly appointed mayor Antonio Villarosa has handled the entire ordeal. She writes the following. There has been no big press conference by Bratton who recently weighed in on Lindsay Lohan's love life. <sighs> The camera-loving Via Villagorosa recently beseeched the public to eat nutritiously. Unlike city leaders who decried the BTK killer near Kansas City and the Green River killer who terrorized Seattle, Los Angeles' City Hall is either unaware or has kept news of California's longest operating killer under wraps. Thanks to the extraordinarily poor diplomacy extended by Villagorosa, and the Via Garosa administration, and the LAPD brass to the victims' mostly working-class black families, The Weekly also was able to first inform some families this month that the murders are known to be the work of one sick man. Holy shit. So they didn't, so, the families
1: didn't even know because no one even informed them. No. And so no one knew to look out and be careful and don't take rides from neighbors and, you know be yep. on the lookout it was yes
0: just not they weren't even warned nope there was no word on it and in fact it's christine herself not the police who coined the killer's nickname the mm-hmm. grim sleeper because of his very abnormal 14-year hiatus damn okay so now we have we will go to uh, an email sent to us by a murderino <gasps> Hi, Karen Georgia and your cult family of pets hmm. and Stephen. I'm a longtime listener, first time writer. Karen, you mentioned the Grim Sleeper in the last episode, and I've been waiting for you to cover this murder. My aunt, not by blood, but by being my mom's best friend since I was a kid and helping my mom raise my brother and I on her own, hmm. which was not easy as we were the brattiest kids in North America, <laughs> is a badass female journalist who's been covering crime in Los Angeles since the Rampart police scandal of the 90s. No. Yes, 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 Oh, my God. Growing up, she was always my idol because she was funny, pretty, bought me smoothies, and would talk to me about her stories. Mm. Now we bond over murder stories because murderinos abound. In 2008, she ferociously began to hunt down stories of nine murders of sex workers in South Central L.A. that had gone unsolved and cold since 1988. She discovered two new murders in 2002 and 2003 that had been DNA connected to the murders of the 80s. When this murderer resurfaced, LAPD wasn't paying attention or adding manpower to the case because it wasn't going to win them any political points. Mm -hmm. And my Aunt Christine Pelisek wrote a huge expose calling Them out for the lack of attention paid to what appeared to be one of the worst serial killers in Los Angeles history. Christine dubbed this murderer the Grim Sleeper because of the 14 years he had seemingly spent not actively killing in Los Angeles. She pointed out that these cases, had these cases been in Westwood or Brentwood, white wealthy areas, there's no way police would have ignored a serial killer striking again. She humanized the stories of the residents of the South Central community who had their family members murdered. And she called the fuck out the mayor of the mayor. She called the fuck out of the mayor. She also pointed out the need to use DNA testing on old cases like Michelle McNamara with the Golden State Killer. Christine's articles brought the attention to the case and put pressure on the city to do something. This led to a break in the case with DNA. I'll t- get to that in a second. She wrote a book about her experiences called The Grim Sleeper, The Lost Women of South Central, which was published in 2017. Mm. And they even made a cheesy, great Lifetime movie about it. No, no. Mm, I had no idea I'm so proud of her and her work To shine a light on a community of people Whose safety wasn't valued My dad passed away last September And when he passed Christine told me How he'd been her editor And had seen her talent At the LA Weekly in the 1980s I like to think about his legacy in me So I want to brag to the world About her amazing talents Love, Kelly Murderino Cole Did that get you? Yeah (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. So suddenly now, because of this article, there's real pressure um, to solve this case. But when they the DNA samples are taken from the victims and run through the state offender and federal crime databases, there's no matches. <gasps> so they turn to familial DNA testing. Yes. I remember this is two thousand eight, two thousand nine. Early. So still, it was still super early. Yeah. yeah. And familial testing of is the kind where the sample has at least 16 markers matched to another sample in the database. So it's enough to implicate a close relative of a person in that database. So if there's someone with similar DNA who's already been convicted of a crime, there's a good chance that that person's relative could be a vile. viable suspect. Now this kind familial DNA testing is controversial. Mm -hmm. And at the time the attorney general was Jerry Brown for California and he was up for Mm re-election. So he didn't want to attract any negative attention. So he didn't do the familial DNA testing until a little bit late till after he was elected or till, yeah. So till after he was reelected. So eventually he does rule that familial testing can be used if other avenues have been exhausted and if the criminal presents a clear and present danger. So finally, okay. In 2009 familial DNA testing is conducted on this cold case and they get a hit. Yes. Uh, A close familial match is found in a man named Christopher Franklin, who had just been convicted of a felony of a felony weapons charge the year before. And this leads police to a new suspect, Christopher's father, 57 year old Lonnie Franklin, Jr., Mm. a former garbage man for the city of Los Angeles. Mm. Such a good cover
1: because you can get rid of bodies so
0: easily that way. And he was a garbage man in the 80s when it was still the system where it was the city dumps. Yeah. And like uh, there was no, the technology was not there in any way. And he'd had access to a place, basically the hugest dumping ground that where no one so how many would ever bodies, find someone. how many bodies were just never found? Well... They start following um, Lonnie Franklin Jr. And they realize um, he frequently drives along streets that are known f- where sex workers um, are known to walk. And so they need to be certain that they it's him. So an undercover cop poses as a busboy at John's Incredible Pizza in Buena Park. Fuck yeah. It's, it's the name. That's not my opinion. That's the name of the pizza place. Um, <laughs> and they know Lonnie Franklin Jr. is going there for a birthday party. The Mm. undercover cop takes Franklin's pizza crust utensils, (gasps) like all the stuff that he used to eat that night, and they put it in their little evidence bag, and the investigators extract his DNA, and when Forensic runs their analysis, they find a perfect match. And on July 7th, 2010, police finally arrest Lonnie Franklin Jr. When they search his home, they find... The 25 caliber handgun that was used in many of those killings in the 80s. It's just there in his house. Yes, he still has it.
1: That's how cocky he is. He, like, didn't
0: even try to get rid of it. Yeah, because he... No, no one had ever even Never. You, like it wasn't didn't come up even more chilling than that, though. They find over a thousand Polaroids of women, both conscious and unconscious, <sighs> often nude, um, including the photo of Anitra Washington <gasps> from the night of her attack. Basically, they end up. There's, they have a um, hundred and eighty photos that remain of missing unidentified women from that stash of photos. Oh my god! That they're still trying to work through to identify who the women are because they don't. They, they're just missing, and the bodies weren't found, or they didn't. You know, they might be Jane Doe somewhere. They just don't know. So, after a series of delays, Lonnie Franklin Jr.'s trial finally begins in February of 2016. He pleads not guilty. 2016? Jesus. Yeah. In her opening statement... Deputy District Attorney Beth Silverman explains that uh, survivor Anitra Washington will give testimony about her attack that will provide a blueprint to the fate of the 10 other victims Mm -hmm. who have no voice. Then Anitra takes the stand and tells the story of her attack and survival in full detail to the court. When she's asked to point out her attacker in the courtroom, she identifies Lonnie Franklin Jr. And when Beth Silverman asks her, are you sure... Anitra says 100%. Oh my God. Uh, The prosecutor also reveals that in the 70s, Lonnie Franklin Jr. was um, stationed at an army base in Stuttgart, Germany, where he was dishonorably discharged for participating in the gang rape of a 17-year-old German girl.
1: Oh, my God. And then
0: that girl, now a grown woman, takes the stand and testifies against Lonnie Franklin Jr.'s character. She flew in from Germany to testify. Holy shit. Yeah. 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 On May 5th, 2016, the jury finds Lonnie Franklin Jr. guilty on 10 counts of first degree murder and one count of attempted murder. He's sentenced to death on August 10th, 2016, exactly 31 years after the body of Deborah Jackson was found. Mm. He is on death row at San Quentin until March 28th of this year. No. When he is found unresponsive in his prison cell and Lonnie Franklin Jr., the grim sleeper, is found dead at 7.43 p.m., he was 67 years old. So while investigators were able to confirm that Lonnie Franklin Jr. did indeed murder Deborah Jackson, Henrietta Wright, Barbara Ware, Bernita Sparks, Mary Lowe, Lucretia Jefferson, Monique Alexander, Princess Bartholomew, Valerie McCorvey and Janisha Peters and attempt and attempted to murder nature Washington. They unfortunately could never confirm beyond a reasonable doubt that he murdered Thomas Steele. But it is widely believed that he did Mm. because of the gross negligence of the LAPD and their blatant disregard for black lives in southern in South Central Los Angeles. We will never know for sure how many people were murdered by Lonnie Franklin Jr. It's possible that he could have murdered as many as 100 women, if not more. In December of 2010, the LAPD released 180 Polaroids to the public in hopes that someone might be able to identify the women in them. So far, there have been no additional confirmed identified victims. And that is the story of Los Angeles serial killer, the Grim Sleeper, Lonnie Franklin Jr.
1: Wow. Yeah. Great job.
0: Great job. Thank you. So
1: and necessary. Thank you,
0: Jay Elias, for helping me with that research. He did an insanely great job, and he found that murder in a letter. That's so great.
1: Amazing.
0: It's so great. But please, please watch Nick Broomfield's documentary. Those are the people oh, you need so to hear good. this story from. It's amazing. Pam, who is the woman he meets on the street that basically becomes his sidekick in the movie. she is She's such, the best. She is the greatest person in and it's just such a such a way better way to tell the story of this. The people that lived in that community that knew him, mm-hmm. his neighbors. Um, he, and also when they finally did, like, you, you see a map. His house is in the center. It's yeah. like a clock where all those, the confirmed um, victims of him, it's like a clock. It's just all around. Well, like, he had within, easy
1: pickings. He didn't need yes. to go into other parts of the fucking city. Like, he could just drive a block away and fucking get a victim and and take 30 fucking years to be caught yeah
0: and exploit this situation that was already so tragic you know and so unfair
1: that's one of the first ones vince and i watched together and vince is not into true crime like he gets really freaked out by it but he talks about it to this day because it's just such a good documentary and so so good
0: her promo code SPACE80. Goodbye. Goodbye. There's something about the sound of an old-timey cash register that really takes me back.
1: I know. It sounds like someone is about to hand me an ice cream cone, but it
0: also sounds like we just sold some merch. That's right. And if you're a Shopify user like us, you know that this sound Murder, and here's the important note: that promo code is all lowercase. So
1: go to shopify.com/slash/murder and take your retail business to the next
0: level. That's shopify.com/slash/murder again. Don't forget the code is all lowercase. Goodbye.
1: So we just discussed the idea that maybe every other every week, one of us tells a story. And Since the, we're already at the two-hour mark <laughs> <laughs> on this episode, and like, just, um, but it'd be nice, right? If like next week I tell the story and you and you can just yes. sit back and listen and
0: react and not, you know. So let's and also just I think just because there, you know, are uh, whatever we're gonna do it. We're gonna see how we feel. about Yeah, it. we
1: can try it. Let's try it next week. So next week I'll go, and then um, yeah, I like that. I do too. Okay. I think that's nice. Cool. Real yeah. quick, before we do the fucking hoorays,
0: we want to take a minute. It's really sad. You guys have told us there's murder, young, very young murdering died this week. And so we just want to take a second, um, to talk about them.
1: And so, um, Summer Taylor and Diaz Love from Seattle were at a Black Lives Matter protest on the freeway in Seattle and Got struck by a car. Ugh. Sweet Summer Taylor, um, and both of them are they, them, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, Summer Taylor passed, sadly, and Diaz Love is still fighting for their life, And um, but I believe they're awake and um, and getting through it. So
0: sending them our love. Yeah, Stephen, can you do? Will you mind finding a? There's got to be a GoFundMe.
2: Yeah, yeah. I'll find those for
0: for them. There is. Yeah. yeah, Let's put that on the website so that people can um, support and help out because that's, you know, God, that's. That's it's such an awful so thing to happen. Tragic. And then on top of everything else, then you have you have to worry about medical bills. Right. Like, it's just so much for people to deal with. And it's so horrible.
1: they're both big advocates um for human rights. And I know Diaz is fighting. So send them um, your thoughts and love. And then yeah. just completely this freak accident this sweet baby angel Allie Davis 21 years old a musical theater major at the um Kentucky School of the Arts and uh, she's she's from Banner Kentucky just a complete freak car accident and died and oh. it's just it breaks my heart it's so I I looked at her Instagram and she's just this bright shiny person who looks like the minute you'd meet her she would wrap her arms around you and be friends with you and like you know all three of them just look like good kind people and I'm more you know when and they're when someone in our community dies it's just you know we can't help but think of that they're our friends you know like the shit that we share the shit that you guys share with each other the, the openness the friendship that we all have it's it's our friends. And so, yeah, um, it really
0: means something. You meet people and you understand that you all have that same interest or whatever, any interest, but it's like, yeah, it is that you guys have built this into a real community. Mm -hmm. It's a real connected community. It's really beautiful. And hearing about stuff like this really does. It's heartbreaking. And it's also a really good opportunity to try to feel gratitude. You're still here. Mm -hmm. And, what do you think that person Would want you to do Right In the fact that you're still here And you're still living What can you do e- Either to honor their memory If you didn't know them at all Then to Then to You know Live maybe a little bit better Or a little more consciously um, Yeah Because like The the idea that people get Hit by a car Because they were out <sighs> Protesting uh, Against the brutality And violence Against black people Is really meaningful And really um it's it's really quite something yeah you know definitely so summer taylor diaz love ali
1: davis they're all in our hearts yeah and uh we're thinking about every their friends and family and and what a
0: huge tragic loss i have actually a really good one um to kick off our fucking hoorays yeah um, because it also is about some murderinos. Okay. Um, with some very good news. So this was sent, um, this was sent by Eric Clemenson. It's, uh, it was to me and to my favorite murder. It said on Twitter, this couple bonded over MFM and as a protest got married in front of the burnt third pre- precinct in Minneapolis. Oh my God, I saw a picture of that. What is it? Yes. Okay. So Alexis Hamblin and Selena Burnt um, got married and after being together for four months and <gasps> So they it there's a long article on City Pages. Um you can look it up citypages.com uh that's about this, but it's the cutest picture. And it says here Hamblin and Burn met on Tinder, bonded over a shared love of my favorite murder, and dated for about a year before they got engaged this Valentine's Day. It's so sweet. And look at look at how cute. Wait, sorry. Yeah, right there. Oh, sweethearts
1: with the flower like crown. They hung a flower heart. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's the burnout police station. How many? How many years is four months in quarantine?
0: Oh, dude, they've been going out for seven <laughs> years. <laughs> Congratulations, you guys. We're uh, honored to be a part of your of your City Page's
1: wedding announcement. That's right. Invite please please invite us to the wedding party when it happens. And we'll cabo. We'll slip out early. Yeah. Okay. Um, mine is from someone named uh Livster, L-I-I-V-S-T-E-R-R. And it says, I have a fucking hooray. And then all caps, my dad is the fucking judge on the GSK case. Oh no. Her dad is the Golden State killer judge. Oh shit, she better shut up.
0: This is all privileged information, girl. Do not
1: ruin it. Uh huh. Growing up, my dad was a defense attorney in Sacramento and says, sorry, Karen. It's okay. And I watched. It's too late. And I watched as he showed me what justice really was. Everybody deserves to have someone on their side. And he has so many stories now. He could probably fill a book. I definitely think this is where I get my dark and twisty passion for true crime. Mm -hmm. Definitely. But a few years ago, he became a judge and began trying more and more criminal cases until today. He took on one of the most prolific serial killers still alive today. (sighs) Not only is he an A-plus dad to three amazing daughters... I'm just adding this Mackenzie, Brooklyn <laughs> and, <laughs> and Maddie, Bailey. Madison and Bailey. Uh, uh, but he is a kick ass judge and watching him lead the courtroom through this, this motherfucker's plea hearing was inspiring to say the least. Love you, ladies, and keep doing your thing. P.S. I am a nurse in pediatric ICU, so I can oh. confirm that, yes, you need to wear a fucking mask. And yes, yes you still need to distance. Okay, love you, bye. <laughs> Holy shit. What's their what's their name? Livster. L I I B S T E R R. Oh. That's on
0: Instagram. Congratulations, Livster. That's very cool.
1: I feel that's- like
0: Amazing, you're you a celebrity. Know, you, you brought that up earlier. We were like, we still, we didn't even take the time. We bullshitted <laughs> about Mac makeup. We didn't take the time to talk about the plea deal, oh the Golden God. State Killer. And I remember, um, I was talking to somebody about this because I read, I was reading about it. Oh no, no, sorry, St- Stephen, it was you probably telling me during, do you need a ride or whatever. Mm-hmm. But Paul Holes sitting in the courtroom, watching them, watching this guy plead. Plead guilty finally in 2020 um, to these crimes that he committed in the 70s and terrorized this entire all of California um, up until very recently. The idea that that story is winding down (sighs) and he is going to be in prison for a long time for raping and murdering people for 40 years is incredible. It's unbelievable. It's like surreal.
1: We have, um, we have to talk about I'll Be Gone in the Dark The TV show We need to talk about Perry Mason We need to talk about Unsolved Mysteries Which we didn't oh, Fucking talk mysteries. about Unsolved Mysteries Next week uh, when I, Next when week it, When it's my turn To tell my story Because that's the <laughs> format We have And
0: probably Always should have had Also we <laughs> need just to Thought of <laughs> D- Dirty John Is like It's almost It's winding up And it is got, It's gotten so good I am So into this season Of Dirty John Okay I'm gonna I'm gonna have time To watch it
1: before then We'll talk about books I'm listening to podcasts. I'm I'm listening to some new podcasts. I'm loving. Guys, we didn't even get into. Oh my god, anything. We were busy talking about fucking tide pools, Mimi.
0: (laughs) um all right thanks for listening to us. still after all this time and being here and being there for each other support each other reach out to each
1: other we love you guys we're so fucking lucky and appreciative of you all yes thank you and stay sexy and don't get murdered goodbye Goodbye. mimi you want a cookie